This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Here you go. Here you go. Cork. The nothing personal word of the day is cork. I wish it were as in wine, but it's not. It's as in corked bats, the famous corked bats. So corked back is bats are made of wood. And what some people do in order to make the bat lighter is they open up the bat, literally open up the bat. They take out the middle of the wood and then they put cork in it. So that makes it easier to swing because the goal is always to swing a lighter bat because you can get the bat through the zone faster. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with power. It has to do with speed and getting the, the bat as if you're watching this, that's great. If you're listening, then this is really of no use to you. But if you're watching on CBS Sports or YouTube or wherever you'd be watching, when the bat goes through the zone for longer, that's the object of baseball. You want the bat in the zone for the longest period of time and you want contact in the middle of the zone with between the ball and the bat. Cork makes it easier. Why am I talking about cork? No, I did not have two bottles of wine last night. Who caught that? Coca. You paying attention? What's the subtle inference of that statement? No, I did not have two bottles of wine last night. Cork. I don't understand the whole cork thing, but it's a big story. Pete Rose corked his bats. That's the story. Why did that interest me? Because it happened in 1984, supposedly, when he was a member of the Montreal Expos. Yes, I started my career in Montreal. December of 1999, was there for the 2000-2001 season. My heart will go on. Yes, I was a violinist. Thank you, Celine. All of that said, in the article alleging that Pete Rose used cork bats. It was alleged by a guy named Jonathan Jammer. Jonathan Jammer was the head groundskeeper in Montreal at Olympic Stadium. He was still there when I was there. I've known Jammer. Jammer said that the visiting clubhouse attendant was corking Pete Rose's bats. Now, not the home clubhouse attendant, but the visitor. Now, I know these guys because when we went from Montreal to Florida, Remember when we were famous for firing all the Florida Marlins employees? Well, what we were really doing was keeping all the Expos employees and we brought them down to Florida and including the clubhouse guys, including a home clubhouse guy who I ran around the world with, number one. Number two is still working for the Marlins. The visiting clubby is a guy who came down with us, worked for a bunch of years and uh, is no longer with the team. And supposedly, this gentleman was corking Pete Rose's bats. Now, how would you do that? Well, this gentleman is quite good in carpentry. As a matter of fact, all of the bat racks I have in my office and home were made by this visiting clubhouse attendant who supposedly was corking Pete's bats. Now, why would a clubhouse attendant do such a thing? Well, you know, on Nothing Personal, we tell you what jobs are and what your goal in life is. When you're a visiting clubby, 
the visiting clubby after we got rid of the one who may have may or may not have corked the bat of Pete Rose is someone who's still with the Marlins and it's a tough job. You are there to do whatever players need you to do. You have to report up to management, but you really report down to players as well. You've got players there for three days at a time and your job is to make sure that you get tipped because your money is based on tips. And tips differ. Sometimes there are players who make a ton of money who don't tip a lot of money. Sometimes there's young players who tip extra. But in the clubhouse, you're getting your laundry done. You're getting meals made for you. You're eating. You're getting ready for the game. Plus, there's a lot of other things that visiting clubhouse guys do, including get numbers for people in the stands, including figure out how to arrange for certain things. It's a nonstop concierge is what I would say. And if players wanted to cork bats... Word would get around very quickly that there is a visiting clubhouse attendant in Montreal who has a machine to get it done, and he's a carpenter. Does that make Pete Rose a cheater? Does that make him a liar? Is that something that I would have known were going on while I was in Montreal? Well, I have made a point on Nothing Personal to tell you that I would be accountable for anything that took place in the home clubhouse, the visiting clubhouse, in the replay room, in the dugout, in the front office. I would be accountable because I should have known. I did not know that there was any corking going on in any visiting clubhouse starting in 1999 through my last year in 2017. I was not aware of any of it. Does that mean it wasn't going on? No. It's sort of the same with steroids. Would I turn a blind eye? Did I have an idea? Yeah. When it came to corking, were there any hitters who I said, wow, his bat's going through the zone more quickly today than yesterday? No, it never came up. Did a GM or a manager or anybody come to me and say, I think that bat is corked? I actually saw the way bats come to you as they come. The bats are actually owned by the team, not the player, little known fact. The bats come in in spring training. They come in by the uh, by the case, and each player gets several boxes of bats. Some players use more than one company, but most players are have a relationship with a bat company, and they have a special bat with a special weight. They come in, and they are in a locked cabinet that is controlled by the home clubhouse attendant. When the players need bats, they go in, they tell the clubby, all right, I need another couple bats. They come out, the player puts some pine tar on them, massages them, brings them to the bat rack in the dugout, and you've got yourself a game. On the visiting side, every player has bat bags. When you travel, you travel with, we give every player a suitcase. We give every player a duffel bag, like a big equipment bag. And some players have also bat cases. Very few. Luis Gonzalez had a bat case each row. No one could touch each row's bats. He had a special bat case that he would keep in front of his locker. He would take care of his bats better than Serrano, way better, without having to kill any chickens or getting Kentucky Fried Chicken. So at the end of the day, the bats come in, and is it possible? I just don't know. But is it possible that visiting players would say, hey, let's possibly... Let's possibly cork the bats. Well, I'm getting, this is a first right now. I have to say, this is from Coca whispering in my ear. We have to take a quick break because Scott Boris has written an op-ed for the New York Times. I need to read it, and apparently it's going to be in the show. I've never had to take a break. It's episode 129. Coca, cut. 
the best thing about doing nothing personal with Coca, other than the fact that for at least 45 minutes a day, he is directly in my left ear, is that we bring you this show, and it is live. I guess it's called live to tape, but we tape in the early afternoon, around 12.30 Eastern time, and we go straight through. Never before have we stopped a show. When news comes on during the show, he'll whisper in my ear, and I'll put it into the show, or we'll save it for tomorrow. So today, in big letters, and we, I've showed you the iPad before if you're watching, if you're listening. By the way, thank you for listening, subscribing. Tell your friends about nothing personal because there's a lot of stuff going on here. So today, on the document that we share, which has the rundown, that's all it has is rundown in approximate minutes per segment, in big letters, stop, break. Why? Because my main man, Scott Boris, has written an op-ed in the New York Times. And there's no possible way he was saving this for tomorrow. Bless your soul, Coca. So we took a break for three minutes. I read this essay by Scott Boris, and now I get to respond to it. It's in the New York Times, which is obviously all the news that's fit to print. And it's written by Scott Boris. And the line that they use, and I want to say that I'm lucky enough to know a few people who work for the New York Times. I want to just tell you that these people are smart and they're good at what they do. That said, the line is, by Scott Boris, Mr. Boris is an attorney for baseball players. Mr. Boris is an attorney for baseball players. That's what you're going to tell your New York Times audience, who likely many of whom have never heard of him, that he has no axe to grind. He has no, what's it called, Coca, stake in the game? Game in the stake? Uh, what's it called when you've got a, uh, when you've got a, you know what I'm talking about. He has no axe to grind. Did I say that part? In any case, he's not an attorney for baseball players. He's an attorney who's a certified agent who gets paid a percent of baseball players' salaries who he represents. And when baseball players don't get paid in April, which is when they normally start getting paid, that means he's not getting paid too. I've spent countless minutes on Nothing Personal explaining to you why Scott Boris does what he does. Because rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, he's not doing it for you. There's not one thing that he does because it's in your best interest. Everything he does is in his best interest because he has a business to run. So he starts the way every great op-ed about baseball starts. Cue the James Earl Jones Field of Dreams music. The rebirth, the hope. No, 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 no. That's not the field of dream music. You see, if I had a better soundboard in this home studio, I would be able to press a button and boom, there'd be great music and I'd be able to say to you, in some of America's darkest moments, the country has turned to Major League Baseball to bring hope and normalcy back to everyday life. He talks about after Pearl Harbor that Commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis got a letter from FDR, and I don't mean the East Side Highway. It was a green light letter. Please play baseball. After 9-11, Mike Piazza came back, hit a home run in the first game back. We've talked about the role that baseball had. It heals people. We know this, Scott. How many paragraphs into an op-ed do you have to get to something that actually matters? Well, we do know that 9-11 happened, thank you, and baseball came back and it helped heal. That's very good. David Ortiz gave a speech after the Boston Marathon bombing and then Boston went on to win the World Series. Fabulous. 
Baseball has definitely been used for that. I was a part of every one of those. Well, not the Kennesaw Mountain Landis FDR. I actually only know the highway. Turns out he was a president. God, that must have been a new deal. So then we talked about uh, David Ortiz, he talked about. And then one, two, three, four paragraphs in, we start to get to a little bit of info. Now we've lost nearly 70,000 people in our nation to COVID-19, each a tragedy beyond words. In parens by Samson, not for lack of trying. Close parens. Talks about the fact that we have stay at home and people are getting frustrated, antsy, unemployed. We have an economic issue. Starting to hear the argument that people have been saying that, hey, people may die, but we got to get this economy going again. I understand that point of view. I'm not here to tell you what to think, but I want to give you solutions. It's enough reading propaganda. Enough. But we go on. We face a big challenge economically, and it is time, Mr. Boris said, for baseball to serve. He says the political universe, from Trump to Cuomo, etc., have voiced an interest in the return of the game this summer when the time is right. Even Dr. Anthony Fauci channeled the sentiment that President Roosevelt expressed in 42, the great American pastime. It must be seen. It would help the mental health of the country. Okay, we're still in the op-ed. So what have we learned so far? How did he get ink? We haven't learned a thing. Let's keep going. Did you know in a recent study, 170 million people aged 12 and older identified themselves as MLB fans? Did you know that the sunset today in Florida will be 6.47 p.m.? That's just a side note. In case you wanted to know a tiny little fact that frankly is totally irrelevant to whatever position he's choosing to posit. Let's move on. I'm in constant communication with players, owners, and front office executives. B.S., Boris doesn't talk to front office executives. He only talks to owners. And he's in communication with players. Any other players other than those that he represents, although he's just an attorney, or is he in communication with other players trying to poach them from other agents? But either way, I'm in constant communication with players, owners, and front office execs. And from what I'm hearing, they're focused on getting baseball back. This is the New York Times. That's the sentence that is going to get through the editors. They're focused on, no, actually they're focused on figuring out who the best supporting actor nominees will be for the Emmys this year. It could be Ben from Ozark. Wait to see tomorrow. But they're focused on getting baseball back. That's good. That's very good. Thank you. Okay, here we are. Let's, let's count the paragraphs. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, 10th paragraph. The first step is to return the players to spring training style camps as soon as possible. Players want to be with their teams now, safely preparing for the season by using established processes and procedures approved by public health officials. Okay, what's the first step again, Scott? I thought that if you're going to release an op-ed as an attorney for Major League Baseball players, you may be coming to us with a plan. Hmm. Oh, I hold on. One more paragraph, Coca. Players must feel safe when they return, and they understand that they, they would be in a controlled environment, evaluated by staff each day. That's called a Tuesday in baseball. They're always in a controlled environment, and we always medically evaluate them. We're looking at elbows, knees, and toes, sometimes heads and shoulders. Ah, 
Now we get to a real plan. The numerous medical experts I have spoken to, numerous. How many people in a numerous? I guess one is one, two is a couple, three is a few, four may be several, five may be a gaggle. I'm going to say numerous is more than six. The numerous medical experts I've spoken to recommend clubhouses be sanitized daily and that masks, latex gloves, and hand sanitizer should be standard in each one. Well, thank you, Scott. We weren't doing that in the clubhouses before COVID-19. Every time players came in each day, it was a mess. We didn't vacuum. We didn't put away clothes. We never had anyone use gloves. There were no latex gloves available for A&D ointment, for KY jelly, or for any such icy hot or other substances that we would put on players, sometimes below the uniforms at the shoulders, even on the uniforms. But now we do need latex gloves. Masks, good one. Major League Baseball, comma, with the understanding that the medical needs of our country's population comes first. We'll need to contract with a testing company to make this all safe for approximately 1,600 players, plus coaching staffs, groundskeepers, umpires, and other officials. Scott, help me here, because I'm working on something for CBS right now. I'm working on an actual plan that will go into detail. Detail that doesn't say coaching staffs, groundskeepers, umpires, and other officials. What about the bus drivers? What about the hotel officials when they're road games? What about people preparing the food? What about the luggage handlers? What about flight attendants, pilots, other officials? I guess what he means is other officials is anyone else needed to put on a major league baseball game. I'm going to give him the benefit of a quarter of a doubt. Hold on, more paragraphs. It's going to be challenging. Thank you. We'll report in a staggered way, he said. Pitchers and catchers would report first, then position players. Huh. That's weird. I'm trying to think about all the spring trainings that I was a part of, 18 of them. Hold on. Wait. I'm thinking. Just give me one second. Oh, no. Yeah. There. In 2000, and, no. In four years ago, I remember. No. No. It's always been a sag of reporting, but thank you. That's very good value added. Now, we're getting the second to last paragraph. Other nations and leagues can provide helpful models for how to accomplish a return to action and keep players safe. Professional baseball is being played today in Taiwan and South Korea, and players have reported that they feel safe and protected in their environment. We can do it here for the sake of America. Oh, say, can you see? But... Scott, where's the beef? This is not an op-ed. This is not worthy of the New York Times. And the reason it's not worthy of the New York Times is it did not give us any plan. What is your specific plan for how a season would look? What is your specific plan for taking what you call 1,600 tests? Is it really 1,600 tests? How often are you testing exactly? You spent time writing an op-ed that the New York Times actually, actually let you do because you're an attorney for Major League Baseball players. And you didn't tell us one thing. Shame on you, New York Times. Well, baseball did return. He got that right. It returned in Korea. Who was up last night? Anybody? Listen, when you don't sleep, it's easy. It's not that I'm betting on the Korean games because I have a general rule of thumb. I'm not going to bet on sports. I'm going to give you picks of the day. I'm going to suggest things. We haven't had a pick of the day in so long. What's there to pick? I would say 
two days worth, right? Left nostril, right nostril, potentially some scabs with any sort of OCD issues. I know about these things. No games, but there is betting, thank God. Baseball in Korea. So baseball in Korea is a, a league, it's a professional baseball league, and the rights are now held domestically, and there's a game a day, six games a week, I guess. It's 144-game season. They're trying to play the full season. They've got 12 teams, top five make the playoffs, and there are actual prospects who play in these leagues, and they've got a couple of Americans on each team. One of the Americans playing for the Latte Giants is a pitcher named Dan Straley. Dan Straley is someone we traded a guy named... (laughs) I can't even say it with a straight face, but it's a trade I would do again. And you can laugh at me. You can tweet at me at David P. Sampson. I'm fine with it. Make fun of me all you want. We traded Luis Castillo to get Dan Straley because Dan Straley was going to go into the middle of our rotation. We had the best outfield in baseball. We needed pitching depth. And we were told that Luis Castillo would end up being mostly a bullpen arm. So would you trade a bullpen arm to get a middle-of-the-rotation starter at a reasonable arbitration cost? Yes, every day of the week. Shrelly was serviceable, and now he is in Korea. Why do players go to Korea? They don't go for any other reason other than that is the one place where they can get guaranteed money if they're not getting any guaranteed contracts in the States in Major League Baseball. So it's the following. When you're a minor, When you're a free agent in baseball, you have an agent. And they go and they go to all 30 teams and they start with the GMs. They go down to the AGMs. They eventually end up at the farm directors. They're trying to get a guaranteed contract at the big league level. A guaranteed contract, a one-year deal for Dan Straley. He was probably asking, let's say, $2 million to play in 2020. And he he went 0 for 30. The next level that you try to do is you try to get a split contract with an invite to spring training. A split contract is when you're paid X dollars if you're on the major league team or Y dollars if you are optioned or you some some players, if you have enough experience, you actually can say no to the option. But a split contract is when you get paid Y dollars on the minor league side. In Dan Straley's case, he was unable to secure any sort of deal with any major league team where he thought he had a reasonable chance to make the rotation and he had no way, even if he made the rotation, to make an amount of money anywhere above the minimum. The minimum in baseball, let's just call it $550,000. So when your agent then strikes out with GMs, AGMs, farm directors, then they start looking at the international leagues. They look at Taiwan, they look at Korea, they look at Japan. The benefit of going to these leagues is that they will give a guaranteed contract to players who are better than AAA players. We call them 4A guys. 4A guys are the people who are really better than AAA, but they're not quite good enough to be at the major league level. Every organization has a bunch of 4A guys until the minor leagues actually get contracted and you get rid of all 4A guys because there's not a lot of upside to them. They take up spots on rosters, but that's a real designation, a 4A. Get it? In minor league baseball, there's single A, double A, triple A, and then 4A. So, Straley goes around and Korea offers him $800,000 guaranteed. Now I'm in touch with Dan and we text and we talk. And when he got that offer, I told him and we spoke about it that he's not getting an offer like that. It's a great one year experience. He's got a family. He's got little kid um, and, and a great family. And what an experience to go play for a year. 
go to Korea. This is before COVID-19. Go to Korea. It's hard to make $800,000 in any job. You have an opportunity to make it. Do the best you can and try to get yourself, you're still young enough, try to come back to the big leagues. There are players who play well in Korea and then they come back. There are players who play well internationally, come back. Nicholas of St. Louis, Miles Nicholas, came back and now is a hugely overpaid guy for the Cardinals, but had a great year two years ago. There's a current player who signed a three-year, $9 million deal. <clears throat> Coca, I think his name is Josh Lindblom, L-I-N-D-B-L-O-M. I could be wrong. Uh, but there is a player, he played in Korea last year. I think he signed a three-year, $9.5 million guaranteed contract in the big leagues. That's the goal. So Straley goes over to Korea, signs with the Latte Giants, and he ends up being their number one starter. He actually pitched last night, gave up two runs over five and two-thirds innings, and uh, that's who Dan Straley is. We would call him sort of a five-and-dive guy. And uh, thank you, Coke. I got it right. Limblom with the Brewers. So a five and dive guy is a starter that are very valuable in baseball. If they can give you five innings, give up two to three to four runs, and then hand it to the bullpen where bullpens are now expanded, that's going to be actually good for you. So Straley, if he can be a five and dive guy in Korea, would have a chance to come back. And he's now become a bit of a celebrity because once COVID started, he was already over there. And he's been dealing with this. They, they did spring training in Australia. Then they made it to Korea. And there was a lot of quarantining. It's a, you get assigned a translator who becomes your buddy, who helps you order food at restaurants and get food uh, in quarantine and, and make food and becomes really your friend. As a matter of fact, Ichiro had the same translator his whole career. A great, great guy, actually, who was with us with the Marlins, of course. Part of the deal when you bring Ichiro is you have to hire his guy, Alan Turner, uh, we were hesitant at first, but now having been with Alan, it's been great. It was great. So Straley's in Korea, and now he's a bit of a celebrity because in Korea, it's the only baseball. And now people are saying, if you can have baseball in Korea, why can't you have it in the States? And what are we doing as an industry? Are we all of a sudden watching Korean baseball overnight? Are we learning anything? Is the commissioner's office studying how the games are played for any rule changes? Are they studying how Korea got baseball back? No, because we know exactly how Korea got baseball back. And it is not translatable to the states right now because there's not enough tests. When Scott Boris says we need 1,600 tests, he's wrong. But the reality is, do you know the Korea and the states? had the first case of COVID-19 the same exact day. And yeah, Korea's playing right now. And they came back because they managed to not eradicate it, but bring it to down to a level where it's not that deaths are increasing or infections are increasing or positive tests are increasing. They've more than flattened the curve. It's not just flat. It has declined. And while there are places where our curve has flattened and declined, there are other places still in the States where the curve is not at all flattened. So when we're watching, the only thing that a Major League Baseball team is doing with Korean baseball is they're going to maybe scout. There could be four or five prospects. And instead of paying for a scout to go to Korea and watch the games, now they can watch it on this feed instead of on the inter-Google. So they watch it on TV, stay up all night, don't have to travel, take a look at the players. Could there be some prospects? There's probably two or three guys. But it's not as though that we can take these lessons the way that Scott Boris and many other people in the country are saying, take these lessons and somehow apply them and then wave our magic wand. I don't know why I snapped my finger and wave my magic wand. But in any case, wave my magic snap and all of a sudden we have baseball. 
KBO, it's back. Five games per day. You can watch one every single day. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com So you want to talk to Samson. You know what that is. So you want to talk to Samson is when we go into a, uh, a question on Twitter at David P. Samson. You go into my DMs and ask a question, and I'll get to it if I can. I'll read it. I'll respond to some, or I'll get to some on nothing personal. I appreciate that you do that. Don't forget, though, to tell your friends about the show, but also, please, get into Apple. Rate five stars. You can review this show. And then in the review, ask a question. I hope you listened to the mailbag end-of-month episode that dropped a couple days ago. Finished up my top 100 movie list, answered other questions you had. There'll be another one at the end of this month, which is, that's unbelievable what just happened, Coca. Coca, I forgot what month we're in. That was a quarantine brain fart. That's amazing. It is May. At the end of May, there'll be another mailbag episode. In any case, the So You Want to Talk to Samson was a question, and I'll read it exact. Given your comments recently about a truncated major league season and a, quote, developmental league of some sort, and with no minor league baseball this year and no high school baseball either, do you see this as a crippling blow to the entire minor league baseball structure? Given that many minor league players are going to have to get jobs if there is no baseball and probably not get back to the sport, will it take some time for the whole system to repopulate? Thank you. That's a great question. Let me go ahead and answer that for you. The minor league baseball structure is changing for myriad reasons at this moment, one of which is there's no agreement anymore in place between minor league baseball and major league baseball. That agreement is being negotiated. We've covered it quite a bit here on Nothing Personal. And you know very well where I stand that there are too many minor league teams, too many minor league players. It is not financially efficient for a major league team. And this pandemic and loss of revenue is the perfect Literally, the perfect opportunity to have major changes made to minor league baseball. And that will start with the elimination of teams, and it will start with the elimination of jobs and players. But the question that you ask is that, will there be players who won't come back to the sport? And the answer is no, and here's why. When you're in a time of recession and unemployment rising, people do a calculation as to what is their best prospect for a job. And for baseball players, their best prospect for a job, no matter what, how low the level of pay is at the minor league level, the fact is that their best prospect is professional baseball. 
Now, I use my words carefully because it is professional baseball. If you play in the minor leagues, whether you're a prospect or not, you are getting paid to play however minuscule that paycheck may be every two weeks, however short your season may be, which is five months. You are a professional baseball player. That is your job. You are not eligible for unemployment. You are employed. Once the season's over and you're released from your deal, then, of course, you could file for unemployment or get a winter job, which many players have to do. Why is that abnormal? Why is it abnormal for someone to have to work a job all year long? Now, people argue that their job is to get in shape during the offseason. Well, I went running this morning. I'm getting in shape. Now, you could say that I have to keep my voice in shape and that I practice or I stay quiet the rest of the day when I'm not doing the show. Therefore, I should be getting paid because I can't get another job that makes me use my voice. So therefore, maybe minor league players shouldn't have to get other jobs that use their legs or arms or shoulders or elbows or knees or toes. But no, that's not reality. So of course, everyone will go back to the sport because everybody has a dream. And everybody's dream is not just to play professional baseball, but to make it all the way to the major leagues. That dream is a pipe dream for 95%. We told you already on Nothing Personal, the number of prospects in an organization, and I mean the best organization is 40, and that's if your organization is so good that it causes you to smile when you are a farm director or the president of a team. Except you've got six teams. You've got 150 to 175 players, sometimes 200. Yeah, no, 40 prospects. So the question, will it take time for the whole system to repopulate? I conclude by saying this. We don't want the whole system to repopulate. This is the perfect pause. This is a horrific tangential benefit of coronavirus. I don't even call it a silver lining because I'm not even that callous. And boy, I can be callous. But what it is, it is the moment where you can say, listen, it's happening in your companies. It's business, right? It's happening. This is an opportunity for businesses to weed out employees who are otherwise very difficult to let go, who are no longer efficient or no longer worth the salary because they can be replaced by either nobody or somebody who would take far less to work because there is such a high number of people unemployed. So when you're running a company, you have no choice but to find efficiencies. Baseball is no different. Minor league baseball is an efficiency an inefficiency. They will make it an efficiency. And doing that means you will not repopulate all of the teams and all of the players. Thank you. So you want to talk to Samson? I appreciate that. I gave in. I gave in. You know, I watch a movie every day. I watch you, you my, my Sunday. I tweeted about it. I watched all of Ozark. I think I mentioned on Nothing Personal yesterday. And then I'll review it tomorrow. But I also watched a movie. I think it was yesterday. Uh, two days ago, can't remember. I, I literally, I don't even know the month, forget the day. I watched the movie that I'd been told under no circumstance should I watch. But I decided I was going to watch it anyway. And it's a movie called Cats. Now, I'm a Broadway guy. I love Broadway plays. I love Broadway musicals. I love soundtracks. I listen to them. Part of my music that I listen to while training for marathons and whatever else I'm doing is I've got the soundtrack to Rent. I've got the soundtrack to Hamilton. I've got the soundtrack to Les Mis. I've got the soundtrack to Cats. I've got the soundtrack to Avenue Q. I've got the soundtrack to Guys and Dolls. I could go on and on and on. So I am the perfect target audience for a movie 
that comes from a Broadway play with lyrics by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes, that guy from England, Phantom of the Opera, Cats, you've heard of him. So Cats was made fun of mercilessly when it came out. It stars James Corden, Taylor Swift. Is it Idris Elba or Idris Elba? I can't, it's, it's Idris Elba, that Greek god. Uh, Rebel Wilson, and a first-time ballet dancer, actress playing Victoria. So Jennifer Hudson is also in it. And for whatever reason, the movie got panned. And when you have an entertainment product or a book or a movie or a play or an article, and you can't control the narrative early on, you run into a major problem. Because when negativity breeds negativity, it's like a virus that spreads, pun intended. And when that virus spreads, you have no chance to flatten the curve. And when you can't flatten the Broadway curve, it is bad. The curtain closes. When you can't flatten the movie curve, the movie bombs. It becomes Ishtar or Waterworld. And that's what Cats became, a laughingstock of a movie. However, it has a great soundtrack. So I'm watching the movie and I am miserable because I don't understand what I'm seeing. I can barely understand the words of each song, which I know because the accents are thicker, the sound mixing or sound editing, which by the way is now one Oscar category for all of you people in the Oscar pools where you had to choose a best sound mixer and best sound editing. It's now just best sound. Thank God. Who could know the difference of that? So I couldn't understand the words. I'm listening because the music I recognize. And at the end of the day, I closed my eyes. The majority of that movie when Victoria was not on the screen, you're welcome, Coca, was spent with my eyes closed listening to the music. Because when my eyes were open, I couldn't exactly follow what they were doing. It's like they were trying to be cats, but they were human beings. It didn't translate. I've seen the play several times. The play works. You've got cats. It's like Lion King, by the way, another great soundtrack. Can you feel the love tonight? I don't feel the love for cats. Who should see this movie? If you like the soundtrack, it's worth it. Watch it a little bit just to say that you have done your part to support people who are good movie-making people who didn't quite get it right. This movie's directed by Tom Hooper, as in the King's Speech, as in the Best Picture winner, which Coca still won't see, which is part of the Quarantine Lifetime Best Picture Challenge that he should see, but he refuses to, which is outrageous, Coca. Tom Hooper made a mistake. He went tried too hard with cats. It is a straight dud, but the music, the music is good. Okay. I want to talk about the MLB challenge for a moment. And, uh, and then I want to talk about something that happened in soccer. The MLB challenge is day 51. Coke and I keep sending pictures to each other for our time lapse whenever there's MLB opening day, which according to Mr. Boris will happen any minute now. So whenever there's opening day, we're going to get to shave. But in the meantime, we're donating $1,000 a day to different charities around the country. We started with the MLB team foundations. We're now working our way through the NBA going back to front with the Eastern Conference, now the Western Conference. Today, in day 51, we are in Sacramento. You've heard me say this, please, please do something. And we said, if you can give to your team's foundation, your favorite team, if you can just tip a delivery driver, whatever you can do, it's helpful. 
in Sacramento. I have a special love for that. Uh, I believe it's the capital. Is Sacramento the capital of California? In fourth grade, I had to learn every capital of every state. I put that firmly in my short-term memory because it wasn't going to be on the SATs. It wasn't on the LSATs. LSATs. It has nothing to do with any job I've ever had. And I had to learn it for fourth grade and I wanted to get A's in fourth grade. So I knew quickly all I had to do was learn it, say that I knew it, get an A on the test and then forget them. I think Sacramento may be COCA. Sacramento, the capital of California, they had a huge issue with getting ballpark financing for their stadium. You remember that they were dealing with Kevin Johnson, the former Phoenix Sun, tried very hard. And I know something or two about a public-private partnership and Sacramento is a city that is worthy of your donation. There are people who are suffering there. The $1,000 today is going to go to the Sacramento Team Foundation. They're the Sacramento Kings. Who knows? A little trivia question. Who is the best player in the Sacramento Kings organization in the city before it was known as the Sacramento Kings? Although... It may have made more than one stop. Coca, this is taking you by surprise. But I used to talk very often about, with Ernie Grunfeld, about the Kansas City Kings. Kansas City Kings were a team. Yes, Kansas City used to have a basketball team. And we would talk about who played for the Kansas City Kings. And then they became, I can't remember if they went from Kansas City right to Sacramento. In any case, Sacramento did get a team. It's the ML Beard Challenge, and it's day 51. Well, we have some legal news that came out today and uh, may have come out last night. I can't remember. And it's gotten a bit of attention. I want to bring more attention to it because politicians got involved. And I'm always hesitant when any politicians get involved in any ruling done by the courts. I'm a big fan. There are three branches of government for a reason. We have the executive branch. That's the president, the legislative branch. That is our Congress, our House and our Senate. And then you've got the judicial branch, which is our court system, federal and state. Three branches of government. There was a lawsuit that was started by the U.S. Women's National Team in Soccer. As you recall, they wanted equal pay. They wanted equal pay to the U.S. Men's National Team. They wanted everything to be equal. They felt as though they were getting hosed. I'm not sure I meant that to be a pun or not. But in any case, they filed a action a case, a lawsuit against the the governing body of United States soccer. What happens when you get sued, and I've got quite a bit of practice in this because, yes, over 18 years, I've had more than my share of lawsuits. The first thing you do is you try to get a summary judgment. Summary judgment is what the courts do when you present the facts of the case, the laws of the case, and you say there is no scenario under which you, the court, could find for the plaintiff. That's the person who does the suing. The defendant or the respondent, there's a plaintiff and a respondent. The plaintiff tells you what you did wrong. As a respondent, you respond. The plaintiff says, I want money from you. The respondent says, you don't get soup. No soup for you. So the respondent goes into court and says, summary judgment, There is nothing to see here. The plaintiff says, actually, there should be summary judgment. There doesn't even need to be a case. It's so obvious that I need to get paid. So often there are dueling summary judgments, which of course can never happen. But in this case, the courts ruled that in fact, the women have not shown enough of a cause of action to warrant the case moving forward. 
they were not able to prove through the facts that in fact they were in any way hurt by the system that they had agreed to. They were not willing and not able to prove, they were more than willing, they were not able to prove that in fact they were paid less than the men because it turns out that they weren't on a notional basis. Meanwhile, Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino lost their minds. They said, we're appealing because you can't appeal. That's what the judicial branch is. You can appeal if you lose at the, at the court level, trial court level. You can go to the appellate court. If you lose there, you can go to the state Supreme Court, although in New York, the Supreme Court's the lower court, but just call it the appellate court. Then you can even try for the Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS. Did you know that there's POTUS and then SCOTUS? Supreme Court of the United States, but they have to agree to hear your case. They don't hear many cases because most times they say, ah, you got it right down below. So Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan said, we will appeal. There was a case here. My experience tells me that it's going to fall on deaf ears. So here come the politicians. They say, if we can't get this fixed in the courts, we will have what's called a legislative fix. A legislative fix is when you have power in Washington. You don't like what the judicial branch has done. So you go to the legislative branch. It's like your mommy and your daddy. Can I have a hostess cupcake? No. Daddy, can I have a hostess cupcake? What does your mom say? I don't know. I think she said maybe. Yes. Sure. Have a hostess cupcake. We're in quarantine. You let them have a hostess cupcake. I thought you said it was okay. That's what it means when you're done with the judicial branch. You go to the legislative branch. And you say, just pass a law. The law is saying the U.S. women's national team must be paid at the same rate on a game-by-game basis as the men's national team, period. End of sentence. Because once the legislative branch makes that a law, the judicial branch actually has no say. I'm just a bill. I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Do you know that I learned most of that from Schoolhouse Rock? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? If you're quarantined and you're looking for something really good to do, watch all of Schoolhouse Rock. You don't have to be a child. You'll learn so much from it, you won't even believe it. And for people in the demographic, let's say 40 to 90 who are listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're 12 to 40, you don't Google it. It's all these little shows that teach you things that you otherwise wouldn't know, like how to pass a bill. Etc. It's schoolhouse rock. I don't even feel like a wait to see. You know why? Because schoolhouse rock, that is the ultimate thing that when you're watching it, you look at it and you say, wow, that's good business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code balance10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.